you having fun just staring from across the room you've got to stretch your stuff and i'll show you just what to do now you gotta dance gotta make your advance you gotta show you've got the guts i gotta move that'll make them swoop and it's called the two-step strut now dance with me Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Nolan. When I joined The Equalizers, I was taught that when I made a sequel, I shouldn't think about what plot I was killing, but what plot I was allowing to live. You know who taught me that? Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? How fucking dare you? I, I couldn't help it. How? No, no, no. How fucking dare you mike i so flashback to last episode uh mike suggests oh let's do this fun idea fun idea like do this like middle middle movie between the 2011 mm-hmm. three musketeers movie um and the uh 1998 movie the man in the mm-hmm. iron mask starring leonardo dicaprio Jamie yeah, Irons, I stand john, by that. john malkovich yeah comes to find out that this is just a secret way for me to watch another movie with that st- Son of a bitch, James Corden. I'm so fucking betrayed. I, Why would you force me to do I that? Will... Immediately when he came on the screen, I thought in my head, very loudly in my head, fuck you, Mike. <laughs> I will admit I had entirely forgotten he was in that movie until we had agreed to do it. And then later I occurred to him, I was like, oh yeah, James Corden is in this movie. I had forgotten. So it wasn't on purpose. A likely story. I challenged you to a duel, sir. Okay. Okay. When? When and where? The Wendy's parking lot, two p.m. After we get some Wendy's. Okay. What's, what? What weapons? <laughs> we're we're fighting with the sporks. Okay. A Wendy spork. Okay. Wendy sporks at dawn. The Wendy sporks at dawn. Uh, <laughs> um, but in all serious, folks, I actually like both of these movies really well, and I've never seen them before. It was it was a wild time, kind of different, very different tonally. I think, Mike, do you enjoy these films, or did did you have you had you seen these before? Um, I had seen Man in the Iron Mask a few times previously to this. I hadn't seen the 2011 Three Musketeers until probably about four days before we recorded Pleasantville Two. This time, it's Friends. I watched it, and it was so tonally different it's so utterly different and not in any way compatible with man in the iron mask the thought occurred to me of course we have to do the middle film to make this a trilogy i don't know we've been doing this now for at this point 70 some odd episodes i could do the math but i'm not going to i think it's time we start flexing some muscles a little bit we've gotten into our groove we're, we've gotten back into it here in the second era after our long hiatus we're going i think it's time we push ourselves so we're going to make this middle film, and I'm very excited about this because I like Man in the Iron Mask. It was not well-received critically or generally by uh, viewers. Hmm. Its Rotten Tomato scores are pretty low. I can see why. Uh, I watched Man in the Iron Mask. When I rewatched it for this, uh, Man in the Iron Mask, I watched it with Avenger Jackson Eflin, and they enjoyed it, and we're talking about how it was a good movie, and I said, it's not really. And I brought up how Jackson's a big fan of In the Heart of the Sea, which like I enjoy In Heart of the Sea a lot. Not a very good movie. It's pretty boring. Not a lot happens. 
And Man in the Iron Mask is kind of similar. They took the tale of these four famous swashbucklers and made them old retired men who taught Leonardo DiCaprio how to be the good Leonardo DiCaprio. That reveal. Oh, so you didn't know. Got me. Like. You didn't. I didn't okay. know. I didn't... That's like most people who have not seen the film, at least through osmosis, know that part of it. So I was interested to see mm. how much you actually like knew just from existing in pop culture. Yeah, no, it the reveal uh, worked on me pretty well. I, I really hadn't sure. known okay. anything about this film. I actually didn't even, I, I had known the title of the film, The Man in the Iron mm-hmm. Mask. I did not know it was a Three Musketeers film until you've mentioned it last I believe week. it's the last Three Musketeers novel. So this is based off of one of the Alexander Dumas books. Um, okay. I think it's the last one for a number of obvious reasons. <laughs> I can see why people didn't like it mm. too much, though. Um, it's not really the action movie that I kind of like thought it was going right. to be. It's more of just like very dram- dramatic. But Three Musketeers, two thousand eleven. Mm. Oh um, yeah, here we was go. an action movie. Way, way, way over the top. Airships, like action movie. Uh, scuba gear. I mean, Orlando Bloom. All the great tropes of an action film. Mila Jovovich uh, as Milady, which okay. Pulling down a palace steeple down to a window just by this like contraption that she made it's fucking wild i'm convinced mila jovich was in this movie um and she demanded that she do some crazy resident evil like flip like spy shit that she does in every single movie i choose to believe they hired her because they wrote that shit in here like oh we'll get some real resident evil mila jovich shit going on and so they're like hey i have an idea who we should cast for this role yeah let's talk about the 2011 movie a little bit because it's fucking wild legitimately funny yeah there's a whole bit where Orlando Bloom, who's playing the Duke of Buckingham, Buckingham keeps like trolling the King, King mm-hmm. Louis with the different colors he's wearing because King Louis thinks uh, the Duke of Buckingham is really stylish and he keeps changing his colors up yeah. just to like fuck with him. He's like, he's wearing blue in one scene, then the next scene he's wearing green because he thought that's what Duke of Buckingham liked. And he's, and the Duke of Buckingham's like, oh, that how, how retro of you while he's in his like purple, purple suit. It's, it's, it's great. I love, for me, my favorite joke of the movie comes at the very end when Cardinal Richelieu, played by Christoph Waltz, basically entreats the Musketeers to come work for him instead, even though he's been the enemy the whole time. And their response, Porthos says, I'm independently wealthy. Athos says, I'm a drunk. Uh, Aramis says, I already have a job. And D'Artagnan goes, thank you, no. Like, I just love this bit <laughs> of, like, they're all, like, don't believe excuses. And D'Artagnan's like, fuck you, no. So that's something that kind of confused me. Like, let's talk about. Also, pretty star-studded oh, yeah. cast. Um, Mila Jovovich. Uh, Evans? Luke Evans? Christoph, Christoph Waltz. Madsen? Oh, Mads uh, Michelson. What's that guy's yeah. name? Mad, Mads Michelson. Uh, Hannibal fame, I think. Yeah. Pretty good. Also, the fight scenes, like the actual sword Absolutely. play scenes, are way, way cool. Way, way cooler than the ones in uh, yeah, Man in the Iron, Man in the Iron, Iron Mask. Mask. I think because of the general age of the Musketeers, and the, I mean, most, mm-hmm. more specifically the actors playing them, the sword fights were a lot more of like flowing cloaks in the flash of steel and then somebody was down and it was not like a bad they weren't terrible but these were the much more the much more flashy kind of showy sword fighting we're used to just like sword dueling that you see in like Star mm-hmm. Wars or other movies like that where it's just very flashy sword play uh, which I enjoy I, I did like I think Man in the Iron Mask was more of a thinker than it was a swashbuckler and that's why but um but no, this was very good. I mean, let's talk about the airship while we're talking about over-the-top action. Because the war machine. Aramis, played by Luke Evans, is in a turret 
that instead of like a machine gun, it is a ring of pistols that spins as he fires it. So there's just always a loaded pistol in front of him. And he's just like open firing into shit with that. Like Also, like as long as we're talking about the airship, at the beginning of the movie, they're stealing the plans for mm-hmm. this for from Da Vinci's vault. To me, like I'm like, oh, this is going to be the plot of the movie. It's about this airship. It's about, so I thought it was sort of the Star mm-hmm. Wars thing of like, you know, the plan. The Death Star. The, the, the Death Star. And like, oh, this is the movie. Nope. The airship comes in later and is a, basically just a tool for a cool action scene. Like it's not, it, like, and then there are suddenly, instead of just one airship, there are hundreds, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Some, at the, towards the end of the movie, there are yeah, there like. two. I might have missed there the fact that there are hundreds the last scene of the movie is duke buckingham um fishing uh milady oh, out okay. of the sea mm-hmm. and heading towards france in, on a ship a boat like a boat um and then it pans out and you see more ships and then it pans up and you see all these airships oh, like he's okay. about to go to, i missed that he's scene about entirely. to go to war Oh yeah, it's at the very okay. end. So Milady, M- Milady is not. I didn't dead. figure she, she was. I mean, I was going to suggest that we put her in this movie as well. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I don't have any tomatoes uh, this week. One because it's two films. Two, I just kind of forgot. But we can, if you'd like. I mean, there's four of them, but we could play fuck Mary, also fuck, uh, and go through the Musketeers. Okay. Now, we'll do it twice, so it is the young versions and the old versions. Okay. Um, fuck, Mary also fuck? Yeah, or kill. You, can, you know uh, what? The fourth one's dealer's choice, but you can, you'll can you get a second. So you can do fuck, Mary, Mary, fuck, Mary, kill, kill. My favorite Val Kilmer movie. All right. So starting with the 2011 Three Musketeers, yeah. I would probably uh, fuck Porthos, Mary... Uh, Mary RMS, which is Orlando uh-huh. Bloom. Uh, no, Luke Evans. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He looks like a Lan- Orlando Bloom, <laughs> sort of. So Luke Evans. Um, and then I would probably kill Ar- 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 Eros. He- he's he's, he's just a sad boy. A- yeah. Athos, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably kill Athos. He's just a sad boy. And then what about D'Artagnan? <laughs> D'Artagnan. Um. Yeah, I'll also fuck him, I guess. <laughs> and now let's get to the salty old, old musketeers of the 1990s. I would not fuck that Porthos. <laughs> I told Jackson, because he had not seen the 2011 either, the one I was most excited about was how we were going to have to make a movie in which tall, strong, bald uh, Porthos becomes Gerard Depardieu <laughs> Porthos. Yeah, who's yeah, like yeah. definitely two full feet shorter, has very long hair, and a very foppish mustache. What are your choices for 2011? Um, three musketeers honestly by and large the same i don't mean to cop out you just picked a very strong lineup of who to marry who to fuck and then killing the sad boy the drunk sad boy yeah 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 yeah. like i know it sounds like a cop out it's just this is one of those where there's a pretty good there's basically a correct ranking and you did it cool for me in the iron mask i would definitely i would marry d'artagnan yeah D'Artagnan is very charming um, in that um, and is clearly like the most, I think, kind of tactile, logical one, mm-hmm. I think, out of all of them. Like, he's not aggressive at right. all, I think. Like, probably Armis, right? Aramis, but yeah. um, Aramis. I get 
Aramis, uh, Aramis and Eros, uh, like completely mixed up, and I end up combining who's, their names. Who's Eros? <laughs> Athos. <laughs> you just said that so confidently. I was like, "That the fifth musketeer I'm unaware of." Whatever the the writer should be should be uh, shot for confusing people with two A names. <laughs> um, I mean, unlike we did with two M names. God, I don't want to fuck any of the old men. <laughs> you gotta. Yeah, um, fuck one of them. I guess I would fuck. Just close your eyes and think of France. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, now it's better. <laughs> You're right, closing that. Uh, probably RMS. Okay. Um, I would fuck RMS. I guess I would also. I don't want to fuck John Malkovich at all. Uh, wow. Okay. He's scary. I'd probably kill him again because he's just scary. He's scary angry. Yeah, oh no. He in this movie, he's a bit of a creep because he does at some point while talking to Tanya and say, like, you don't you understand you don't have a son, you've never watched him grow up, and what's for future? You've never smelled his breath while he sleeps. It's like what? Yeah. I'd probably I, I wouldn't touch I wouldn't even get near old Porthos. Like <laughs> we had our we had our glory days. But not uh, not not anymore. seeing that just thick Porthos a- naked ass didn't do it for you. And seeing how he shoves a fucking pistol up someone's <sighs> ass at one point that was in this movie. Yeah, that was right? this one. That was in yeah. Okay, yeah. He didn't do it very. Uh, he didn't. He didn't do it very gently. I don't think I'd want that. <laughs> anyway, that's my lineup. What about you? So wait, just run him for me one more time. Just like just fuck Armas. Okay. Mary D'Artagnan, uh, and then kill both Porthos and Athos. To kill Porthos in this movie would be like killing like a like a like a sad horse. Okay, well then your options are to fuck him or marry him. Oh man, I'll marry Porthos. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll also marry Porthos, I guess. But it's like we're seeing other people. Like like it's an open marriage. It's mainly be- he's very devout towards me. I, um, and then I kill, then I kill Athos sure. again, because he scares me. I don't want to fuck Aramis. I'll marry Aramis, because uh, I like him. I don't want to. I'm not going to kill him either. I I guess I fuck Athos because I don't find D'Artagnan attractive, and there is something about just Porthos's entire long hair, big droopy mustache, bulbous nose look that just I can't. Uh, so I'll marry Porthos as well, and then I'll kill. Uh, Athos. Yeah, I feel like we're being very mean. Gerard Depardieu is a person. A no, human I know. Being. I mean, no, look, my, <laughs> this is just his body. This is just this is just no, how no, he no, is. No, no, no. My problem is not <laughs> okay. with Gerard Depardieu. Look, my problem is with the enormous fucking stupid wig and enormous fucking stupid mustache they plastered sure. onto his body. I mean, sure, the fact sure, that sure, he okay. has a sort of bigger bulbous nose doesn't bother me. It is that coupled with the decisions made by this film on the mustache and hair that they were going to make him use throughout the film. I have nothing against Gerard Depardieu. I'm not making fun of his body at all. I'm making fun of whoever made the decisions to make him look like that in the movie. So what I've learned is you would fuck Gerard Depardieu. (laughs) I mean, look, Gerard, if you're listening, get at us on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. I just don't want to lose Gerard as a as a exactly. I mean, you know, like I'm 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 very worried. Absolutely. I mean, he has uh, been one of our most stalwart listeners. Every week, I get a little text from him. Loved yeah. Beetlejuice too. Or his, 
or his fan base entitled the Gerard Depard dude. <laughs> okay. So I don't have any bits or anything. I mean, I'm in, in an internal bit drought. Um, That's right. One thing I liked about uh, the 1998 Man in the Iron Mask was the cast did a good job of selling that they were old friends. Like, it's a thing I, I, mm-hmm. I've seen with um, movies or shows like this before where the cast is meant to be like, oh, yeah, we're like retired, but a long time ago we used to be friends. Ha, uh-huh, Veronica Mars. But they did a really good job of it here. It's something that I've talked with people before about like Watchmen similarly. I really take or leave Watchmen as you will. I think the cast did a good job of selling me on the fact that like they used to be a team. And while they don't talk, mm-hmm. like this was a good job. Like that, that coupled with the fact that they absolutely made nobody use an accent that wasn't their natural accent. I also very much enjoyed, and it didn't like, didn't take me out of the story that Leonardo DiCaprio was the American King of France. Like that didn't bother me or that like <laughs> Aramis, the famous French musketeer had a British accent and stuff like that. Like it didn't bother me at all. I think actually it would have been weirder if they made everybody use French accents. Yeah, I mean, that's something I noticed about both movies is like no one, basically no one is using a French accent. Like, but, you know, I'd prefer people just talking how they are rather than doing an, a like a, a piss poor French accent right. or an offensive French accent. Right. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, I agree with that I, I kind of felt that in both movies a little mm-hmm. bit. I believed um, that these people got along. Um it's kind of weird. Both of these movies are kind of framed as the three musketeers are kind of washed up at different because which is going to be which is interesting because we're making a movie for the middle time. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But anyway, speaking of a film that we're making for the middle time, uh, I think unless you have anything else, we ought to jump in. Nothing besides that. I really enjoyed the fact that uh, Ar- Aramis in 2011 uh, was basically a meter made yes, uh, for horses in his washed up days as the three musketeer. Um, that, that was really great. Also that Porthos was basically living off of his rich, his rich, rich affairs with women. Yep. As you do. I mean, that's um, how I make my money. Well, let's get started. Our time starts now. So, uh, for this week, I didn't really have ideas. I figured, that we could just kind of make a, a fun romp adventure maybe in the actual twilight of their careers. Um, so really I just wrote down a few points that we need to hit for this to work as a middle film. Um, Athos needs to get married, potentially have a son. D'Artagnan and the queen need to hook up. And mm-hmm. then um, we need to figure out what happens with that blonde handmaid that D'Artagnan's smooching on. Um, yeah. Those are yeah. really the only points I have. There's a couple bits here for Canon that we can kind of hand with through like, Porthos mentions man the Iron Mask that when um, the the kids were born the twins the twin Leonardos um, that Athos Porthos and D'Artagnan were all dining together and D'Artagnan was dead drunk that's something we can put in I feel like this movie has to end with the birth of the twins like that just seems naturally where to end yeah. this middle film that would then lead into or she's pregnant or something like that like I think that makes sense we also need to kill Louis probably yes we need to kill right. the old king well. Actually, we don't king. have to, though, because he didn't die when his kids were born. Presumably, he survived for a while after I thought. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like his kids were born and he immediately croaked and then the babies were, one of the babies was king. That's, 
so he can stick around. That's true. It's just by the time we by the time we would get to the third movie, he would have been dead. So he can he can survive this movie. I'm not opposed to killing him. We might need to bump the time frame up to where Louis Leonardo Louis is. Um, a little actually, kid. I think it's gonna actually I think it's gonna be interesting and leaving him alive and there being an affair. Absolutely. Uh, between uh, D'Artagnan. The, yeah, they were set up to become like best buds, the king and D'Artagnan. I think it was kind of mm-hmm. hinted, hey, if we keep going, they're going to be like best buds. So the fact that he then cucks the king. Yeah. <laughs> God. I There was like, not to take us back to the mm-hmm. uh, talking about the old movie again, but there was a conversation between D'Artagnan and the king in the 2011 mm-hmm. movie where he's talking about getting Anne's attention. Um, where I thought it was leading um, was the king having a crush on D'Artagnan. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it was very I lead- mean, they played, it was very leading. They played the king as such a foppish dandy that yeah, it, it, he yeah. played into almost every bad stereotype of that kind of character. Yeah, basically like a very um, person who doesn't understand the world at all because he's so rich and has been so privileged and is just like, I live in my amazing estate. Uh, but anyway. so let's start. Let's start yeah. here. What? So, like I said, uh, the one that would make sense would be this is many years later. Maybe the the musketeers are starting to think about retiring. Okay. Do we want to do that? Do we want to make it a more? It's only been a couple years. We keep the younger, like um, Luke Evans, those kinds of things. We follow up with the airships from the end of the first movie. Uh, do we want to kind of just be like, oh, that was a fucking crazy battle? All right, moving on. Like, how do we want to, where do we want to put this film time-wise? They think we have to address the Duke of Buckingham, Absolutely. his armada going towards France, mm-hmm. towards the end of the 2011 movie. So I think we could start with that. Ooh, and then, okay. and then we, and then we go forward. What if we kind of opening of Revenge of the Sith, this idea? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what and I was it's thinking. Like, but this is the I last mean... battle of the airship war or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start this movie with this uh, Revenge of the Sith thing where we, yeah, exactly like Revenge of the Sith starts and ends with the start of a battle and then ending with two twins being born. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, that's 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 it. That's what's happening. That is that is what that is. what. I'm pausing our time so... because my brain is still. Oh, my. You fried my gourd on that one. We we unintentionally are remaking Three Musketeers: Revenge of the Sith Edition. Okay, I'm back. Time has continued. So I guess from here, because we should maybe decide if it's going to be a oof. Maybe we should consider retiring, or if they're still at it. Because I could see this opening fight them being like they do all their regular like dope musketeer shit, but they're a little slower, or they they save the day, but just just in the nick of time this time or something it's like hey like we're not getting any faster like we're not getting any younger we're maybe it's time we consider taking some less ludicrous missions like let somebody else be the one to have a duel on the rigging of an airship that's also on fire uh and we'll like mm-hmm. i don't know do guard duty at the castle or something like that or do we want them to still be in their fucking fighting prime okay so this is this is my idea yeah. for at least structure of the yeah. movie, because we start off with that battle. Mm-hmm. And what if the Duke of Buckingham's armada sacks France? Ooh, like, okay. Like, okay. And turns King Louis into a puppet king. But it's really Duke 
uh, the Duke of Buckingham right. and England controlling what they do. Okay. But because because they don't want to start a war in the streets or anything, it, he's basically a puppet king right. um, with the threat of if you go against our wishes, we are going to use our armada to destroy all of France. Are the, are the ships like hanging in the air over Versailles and stuff like that? Yeah, I okay. think so. So they basically invade and occupy France, but they're, I think they kind of frame it as like, oh, we've enlisted England to help us out right. with security and defense, but it's really uh, England hey, controlling what they actually, do. Actually, we could tie in here that maybe this is where um, Aramis begins to order the Jesuits that is referenced in Iron Mask. They're like mm-hmm. a, um, they kind of are fighting back a little bit, uh, but they're listed, it's like, oh, because of the Jesuit radicals that are terrorizing the streets, the Duke of Buckingham has agreed to leave some of his airships in, not in orbit, but over the cities to make sure that they, if any further attacks happen, they can shut them down. In reality, they're an occupying army, but that's yeah. kind of the cover, the very thinly veiled cover so that. Yeah. And I think, I think the Duke of Buckingham, cause I think he's the villain. Oh, yeah, I think he, him and his organization mm-hmm. is the villain. I think his plan is actually to just take over France himself because he's like he's a duke and he has land himself. But like he wants he's trying to get the crown to like give him France basically um, to control, I think, just because I think the the 2011 Musketeer movie had sort of like a spy espionage sort of feel. Yeah. Kind of Ocean's Eleven, but through I was going to say, what what gave it gave you that idea? The Mission Impossible style opening in which they got three keys so they could unlock Da Vinci's vault to steal the plans for an airship. Yeah, and there being a double agent character that is like her whole thing, and I think that's like the frame the frame of the movie. Um, so it's about how they take down Duke Buckingham and get the occupying army out of France, uh, out of France, and restore the kingship. Okay, what I think. They have that first battle, I think, where that opens the movie. Mm-hmm. My pitch is either they end up, maybe some of them end up in jail, okay. um, or maybe they all escape and they are starting this Jesuit resolu- revolution. Um, okay. What do you think? See, for me, I think this movie, to bridge the gap, works better if the the dude can still be the the villain, and we can still play with the puppet king kind of idea. I think we might need to take the airships generally out of the equation, which is why I suggest like the opening of Revenge of the Sith kind of thing of like this last enormous battle of airship versus airship over France, um, like ground cannon firing at like, it's just this chaotic fucking battle and they bring down the last ship and maybe, I don't know, maybe they, cause I'm not opposed to the Duke coming back. I'm just, I don't know if we need the airships anymore. And if we're kind of transitioning, making a movie that's transitioning from the buck wild shit of their youth to the more political drama of man in the iron mask. I think we need to kind of have a definite point in the movie where it's like, okay, the chicanery is over. Like there's Mm -hmm. no more running along the rigging of airships, no more shooting like pistol turrets from airships. Like it's much more of the kind of no pun intended grounded story. Uh, There can still be cool sword fights and stuff. I just think we need to definitely set a point in the movie where the wild 2011 bullshit is over and we're transitioning to the quieter 1999 style. Yeah. Let's say in the opening scene, the, 
three musketeers are able to destroy most if not all the airships Mm -hmm. by like taking them over and like getting other people on some of the other airships but they're basically all destroyed Mm -hmm. but the duke still wins because he um he just has more forces in general like he didn't only have the airships he also had people on the ground you know like he, he was able to just completely take over he had the numbers against him like the three musket the four musketeers like could only do so much mm-hmm. but um in the duke threatens like oh this is just a fraction of my army i have 50 more airships back in england that i could bring here mm-hmm. it's a bluff that we see behind the scenes i think mm-hmm. of him say to like milady or something this was my whole force but we need to keep france long enough controlled for us to actually build them up again right. like so so he's basically ruling France and by all of threat rather than okay. actually having the Okay. And the, that works. And we can still have like cool sword fights and some action scenes. I just think Yeah. We kind of need to nix the airships pretty quick. And I love the idea of yeah. opening this movie with a battle of Coruscant level musketeers, mm-hmm. airships firing on airships, ground cannon firing up at airships, like Yeah. This amount of just ridiculous bullshit. I mean like I know D'Artagnan is like running along the deck of an airship, fighting, killing people. He leaps off the stern, lands on the deck of another airship, like a few feet below, running across that, killing and fighting. Like he's trying to get somewhere. I don't know. Like just we can have those cool action scenes, um, which I think maybe Mm -hmm. here we have a couple minutes left on the timer, which is fine. We maybe build the frame and then we just dig up the action scenes um, at that point. And yeah, and I have a few scenes that are coming to mind as well as to hit our story plots um, that we need to like make sure it happened before um the man and iron mask right before we get to those i think um aramis right yes that's the name yeah um i think aramis does not get captured or anything and he's the one doing the underground jesuit resolution revolution like and like trying to inspire the people to take everything do we need to call them the jesuit resolution just so to help with you pronouncing it Maybe. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, that doesn't also doesn't sound terrible. The Jesuit Resolution um, as like a, a force. And we don't have to use that. I'm just saying that would be a way we could kind of establish um, yeah. that. Because, I mean, he's technically still a musketeer, arguably, yeah. at this point. So maybe, though, he's got some Jesuit friends that are like, like the way Sherlock Holmes has the Baker Street Irregulars, the people mm-hmm. about town who feed him information. He, Aramis could yeah. also have this Jesuit network that we kind of get the impression is the beginning of that order. Sherlock's army of orphan boys. This isn't studying Granada, Jackson. We can't just talk about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> so I think that's what's happening with Aramis. I think maybe Porthos like lets himself be captured again, so he thinks he can like get out because he can work from within, like to. But maybe they like restrain him so much that he is like. In not only in chains, but is like also like in a straight jacket or something. And he just like he's like basically bolted to the floor. Yeah. He can't like I'm fine with that. Um, and I think that's where we can kind of introduce some of the sort of Iron Mask level sort of torture of like prisoners or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, just because it's I have an idea for D'Artagnan. I think that he's like Louis's personal bodyguard musketeer. Mm-hmm. Um. That's something that Buckingham had like kind of allowed. And this was just Louis' kind of safety net or like blanket, like teddy bear safety blanket of like, oh, my most trusted friend and musketeer is my bodyguard. So if they actually try anything, he could probably save me or my wife's life. 
Um, and that's one, one reason why he's so close to Anne now at this point. Two, I mean, do we have Blonde, Blondie, which is unfortunately is how she's listed in the credits of the movie. Is she still in the movie? Is she in the picture at all? My idea for that is like after that big battle scene, we do still jump forward like to a little bit. Oh, okay. Maybe a few years later after or maybe like I don't know how long okay. after would be understandable. And I don't think she died in like the siege or anything, mm-hmm. but maybe she just died um, from some disease or, you know, like anything, you know, it was it was rough times back then. Mm-hmm. And she I think there's a scene when we come back, like when we go into the future mm-hmm. um, of uh, D'Artagnan standing at her grave and it just um, says then Kath- <laughs> yeah, it just says Blondie. <laughs> Ah, uh, God, yeah. that sucks. Yeah, it was. It, it was. So much. It was dumb. When I was looking at IMDb, I saw someone else's blonde, and I thought it's not her, right? And it sure is. There, she's not listed yeah. in the whole cast. So, well, when I when I saw that uh, Mila Jovovich name was Milady, I was like, "That's a joke, right? That's not her actual name." And they I actually do she say was her be name, Queen Anne. Like I thought that was going to be the uh, bit was that she's actually the queen, and that's why she was listed as Milady. But got it. I think we see him standing at her grave and uh, and then Anne comes up and like comforts mm-hmm. uh, him. And because she was because Blond- Blondie or whatever her name was. Let's let's give her a name. It is. Abigail. I was gonna... um, <laughs> Deborah, the most French name. Deborah. <laughs> All right, Ray Romano. Deborah. Deborah. Uh, Deborah. So D'Artagnan is played by Ray Romano in this movie. Yeah. Um, no, I have I have ideas for casting okay. already, but let's we'll get to that eventually. Right. So and I think Anne comforts him because not only was Abigail D'Artagnan's like wife at probably at that point. Sure. It was she was also the lady in waiting to Anne, mm-hmm. right? So they were like really good friends. So I bet D'Artagnan and Anne were already pretty close and that's sort of how they kind of get together sure. and start to foster their love. Um, yeah. And I think that's honestly enough of a beat for this. Like I don't yeah. real this doesn't have to be as good of a movie as man in the iron mask. Like, I think that's a, we've asked and answered the question that we need asked and answered. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to do a, we don't need to do a, a sex scene. We don't have to. Oh, we're gonna, we just don't need to um, a, a consummation scene. <laughs> right. I mean, that's in the movie. We're not going to describe it, but there is a gratuitous sex scene in this movie. So, uh, we have Porthos, we have Aramis, and we have D'Artagnan. What are we doing with Athos in this movie? So Athos, our story beat that he has to become married or like at least lead to that towards the end because he eventually has a so son. So my right? question is, does he marry Milady? Because she was his love interest at the beginning and they had a whole kind of thing then in the movie that seemed like there might still be some sparks. So does he marry her or does he meet someone else? It's hard to like think that he was to move from he was going to shoot her off of an airship <laughs> to I forgive you, right? Because like she tried to kill them multiple oh, times and he yeah, and would have right like because she she straight up like had a gun to his face outside of the carriage mm-hmm. and pulled the trigger and then he looked shocked that she pulled the trigger. She's and he said, "Oh, we took the gunpowder out before you arrived." Like she was gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. She's just gonna shoot his head off. So I think it's hard to reconcile that myself but what do you what do you think i don't have a strong opinion and it sounds like you do so i'm fine with not like 
I was going to throw it out there. And if that, if, if it seemed like that clicked in a way we could go with it, but you obviously feel strongly that that doesn't click. So we won't, we don't have to continue with it. Is yeah. his wife an important character or is it sort of like, cause here's what I'm thinking then at this point with Athos, he's basically semi-retired. Like after mm-hmm. that last battle, nothing actually changed. Like they, they got rid of the ships, but the Duke's still in charge. Like all they really did was destroy some ships they didn't free France. So I think he's just kind of like, fuck this. Like, this is dumb. I like, I've risked my life so many times and every time I do, nothing changes. Like, I'm just done. So he's retired mm-hmm. to the country and maybe he's married now. And she doesn't have to be a small character, but I don't think it needs to be like a whole, I've met my wife and we fall in love. I think it can be in the time since that battle, I met this woman and we fell in love and we married and she's expecting our first child. And like yeah. that can kind of be it. And maybe she convinces him to go join the fight again. And that could be her character thing. I don't think it needs to be a whole song and dance like of who this person is and what are their ideals and dreams. And like they can just already yeah. be married in the country with a kid on the way. I think that's perfectly fine. Like I because I don't want to really get into that right. like love story either. I think we already have sort of like a love story going on with um, Anne and D'Artagnan. Uh, D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. Uh, I almost call him D'Angelo every single time because like the singer. It's all right. I've called Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Leonardo da Vinci as a joke enough times. I have to sort of make sure I don't do it accidentally. I think that's fine. Um, what do we think is the reason they get all back together again? Like, I sure. think it's got to be probably D'Artagnan, either D'Artagnan or Aramis. Uh, Aram- Aramis? I got it right. I keep, I keep getting it right and like don't think it's right. I think it's either... D'Artagnan or Aramis like find out that the Duke has some sort of plot to assassinate the king Mm. or something like that and or he has some sort of like master plot that is going to give him control of France somehow and maybe the sort of Ocean's 12 storyline is them getting the evidence to basically rat him out to England you know like oh you know, like, i see yeah that's that that's that's an idea that i was thinking like maybe because how do you beat the duke of buckingham without ha- angering all of england right you know so um i, I think that works i think the idea has been because uh, my my pitch would be finally the jesuits that are loyal to aramis that have been working for him actually find out after a couple years of searching find out there are no other ships like they've discovered Mm. this is a bluff the buckingham has no backup coming so they can finally mobilize against him in a way and i think the idea of because the movie does present itself as like a heist in some ways like uh, like a mission impossible in in ways like that with plans the first plan is oh we're going to take the castle we're going to like we're going to go in and we're going to siege Versailles. Basically we're going to take out Buckingham. We're going to free Versailles. In reality, they're all they're after evidence that he's going to betray England to set himself up as the ruler of France. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's how they get him. Maybe they do kill him in, in combat, but the idea is they have the evidence against him. He's going to go down. England's going to fuck him up. And then he's like, no, I'll never go. And then he fights them and they can kill him, but they still have the evidence. So there's no repercussions. Um, yeah. That would be my pitch just with, because he has the bluff, they've had to stay off while they like fact check that bluff. Now that they have, after a couple years, Aramis can be like, all right, let's get it. Let's get the gang back together and let's like 
actually free France. And I think there could be some talk. Athos can be like, yeah, from England, there's still a king. Like France is still like, you know, we can dig into some of that lighthearted discussion of democracy versus monarchy, but like, sure. And then go into a movie in which Athos has retired after many, many more years of being a musketeer loyal to the King of France. I think this fits. I think this works really well. Um, I think Aramis immediately after the puppet king is put into place or mm-hmm. like the occupation happens, he gathers his Jesuit um, resolution mm-hmm. and takes them to be west. Oh, right? so Aramis is returning to France from England after a number of years. So Aramis is going to be our sort of POV character into the plot. Yeah. Like this is, he's the one who's learning, okay, where's Porthos? Where's D'Artagnan? Where's Athos? Like, what I think Aramis did and was trying to get the other musketeers to go, but Porthos was in jail. Uh, D'Artagnan felt the need to protect the king still. Mm-hmm. Um, and Athos has decided just to fuck off. And like, he's like, I'm out of here. Fuck, fuck all this. Like, yeah. basically. So what, but what Aramis does, he takes his Jesuits and they become basically spies in England, trying to find any evidence of what the actual armada is. And, they search for a number of years and they find nothing and to no avail. And then he's like, it finally clicks with him. There is no armada, right? Right. We need to get back to France and tell them. And that maybe, and then that's maybe when we find out the Duke's actual plan somehow. I would argue we need some tangible like paper or something. That's like a missive. That's like, no, we're not going to fund any more airships just because if Aramis shows up and says, well, there's no more airships because I couldn't find them. That's not really proof, especially not to like risk, risk it. He needs something. And then also, I think though that leads us, starts us on the idea of a paper trail of Mm -hmm. what Buckingham has been up to as Aramis finds this missive. Because again, like if he's going to convince Athos to come out of retirement, he needs something that definitively says there are no more airships, not I couldn't find them, so they don't exist. Let's fucking risk it. I think he finds evidence that as far as England is concerned, the Duke of Buckingham has like wasted a lot of time and like maybe they're disowning him basically. So Mm. he, he, and he doesn't actually have the support that he's claiming he has. So there's some, that's what tips him off that there's some other plan going on with the Duke of Buckingham. And then he finds the evidence that the Duke of Buckingham plans to take France mm-hmm. with his armada that is loyal to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, what, do, what do we think that evidence is? Do we think Aramis finds that evidence in England that he is trying to take over France, or do we think that he finds we find that out later from D'Artagnan he or finds, something? He finds the evidence in England that there are no more airships. Because I think the, yeah. the, the impetus of the movie is we can finally move against Buckingham and take him out. So that's mm-hmm. what D'Artagnan comes back with. The evidence that, okay, we can do this now. In In the doing of that, I think they discover a deeper plot and need to then heist evidence of that plot so that he can't retaliate against France when England comes to take him down or whatever. Like, so the Mm -hmm. idea is the first, it's just a straight up assassination, like fucking Tom Clancy sealed rainbow team six, whatever. Like we're going to go in and knock him out. And in doing like when they're in the middle of that mission, something happens. Sertanian stops them and is like, no, England will come for us. If we kill him, there's bigger things. Like there's more at work here. Mm -hmm. We just give me time. Got it. Okay. Oh, I want to add one thing quickly. Just 
as a note, because if we're rebuilding the team, I think D'Artagnan and Athos are friends still because they've set up in Man of the Iron Mask. Athos and D'Artagnan are like brothers, like the most mm-hmm. beloved of musketeers to each other. So I think the idea is yeah. D'Artagnan comes to visit Athos a lot for advice and help. Like So a little bit of training, but mostly just it's almost a sort of, I mean, we'll go back to this reference well, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker in the prequels. It is very mm-hmm. much a like brotherly relationship at this point. And that's how we can also get, he can like Aramis can come in, find um, Athos. They talk to D'Artagnan. That's how they know where Porthos is high, like, is being kept. Blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe Ar- D'Artagnan is like, okay, this is a bad call. We should not attack him straight up. And the other three are like, okay, cool. We won't do that. And as soon as he walks out of the building, like, okay, so here's the plan for doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it feels weird that they would cut him in, and then he tells them much later, oh, no, we can't kill him. I found this evidence. So I like the – and it also ties into um, the way Iron Mask goes down of, hey, all four of us, here's my plan. D'Artagnan's like, no, that's a bad plan. I'm not doing it, and leaves. And the other three go, okay, we're still going to do the plan. Like, it's kind of a mirror of that. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. I think probably one of their first things that they do are Athos and Aramis. Mm -hmm. uh, They – break path uh Porthos. pathos out yeah Porth, Porth, they i know they break you're, Porthos you are not out. wrong it is why the names are aramis athos and porthos like they're so close yeah. together and then d'artagnan yeah. <laughs> then D- d'artagnan i got yeah. uh mostly so yeah i think they're one of the first things they do is may and maybe what d'artagnan does is he actually does find out where porthos is kept and it's like if you want to get porthos out i can't stand the fact that he's in prison being like contained like that here is his location it use use it like and break him out here's where he's kept and i think it's going to be like the same prison that um yeah the bastille where good leonardo dicaprio is being kept and i think that's where we get the hint kept at this point but right yeah and i think that's where we kind of hint um, I think he maybe has a mask on himself or a version of it, and he's chained to walls or whatever, like mm-hmm. just as a hint that this is a practice that is happening in the I, in this in the Bastille. I like the but, idea that they break him out roughly the same way they broke good uh, Leo out Philippe. I guess we could call him by his character's name, where they broke Philippe out, which is they bring in a corpse, pretend Porthos has died in his cell, and then burn the body so that no one can identify it. Yeah, so that, because like I, like that. I think Buckingham is going to immediately be on his back foot if it's like, oh, by the way, two dudes broke Porthos out of jail. Like, yeah, immediately right. he's like, oh, two guys, huh? Yeah, right. Um, I think that's a good idea. Or yeah, they somehow fake hit yeah. Porthos' death in that, um, whether it be a fire or other means, I don't know. But yeah, or they. I think it'd be easier because of how big Porthos is. <laughs> And how small mm-hmm. everybody else is in comparison. They set it up so he can jump out the window into the sea. And then a bloated, desiccated body of roughly the same size bobs up on land a couple days later. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. he's dead. I like that. That that works. Because um, the idea and maybe of like, Luke Evans carrying that large of a man wrapped around his torso out of a prison is even... That is that beggar's belief. And this is a movie with a spinning turret on an airship. Yeah. To... To add, like, like a cool action part of this, uh-huh. like, let's say they, like, get to, like, a cliff or some opening that leads down into the water mm-hmm. or something, um, and it's, like, it's a, lo- it's a large cliff or, like, something, 
and let's say it's Athos who is the one that has Porthos and is um, guiding him to this way. And Porthos is like, what are we doing? Like, this is a dead end. And he's like, no, it's not. Wait for it. Three, two, one, jump. And then they jump and it's at the exact time like a hot air balloon is lifting up and they like and and then they escape or something like that. Or maybe it's an airship or something. I know, like, we want to take airships out. I know, I like, understand. I'm, I'm fine with, like, hot air balloon, like, little airships like that. I think the yeah, giant yeah. war galleys with a hot air balloon on them, we need to not use. Yeah. But, like, a hot air balloon, like, that's fine. And I think that in that case, because it's obviously a jailbreak attempt, the, uh, the balloon washes up on shore with three dead bodies in it. So that he thinks okay. all... Because originally, the idea, my thought was maybe he, like, they make it so he can just, like, oh, I got out the window and jumped. This blatant of a jailbreak, Buckingham has to think all of them are dead. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I think they immediately start shooting at the hot air balloon, mm-hmm. too. And then Porthos is like, this is a horrible idea. Like, why would we do this? We're sitting duck. And they're like, that's the idea. Like, they, like, pull the sheet off of a thing in the corner, and it's three dead bodies. And as it goes down, they just, like, swim away off to, like, a yeah. wedding rowboat or something. Yeah. Oh, you know who's, the... and you know who's on that rowboat? Their faithful servant, Planchet. God. Don't worry. We'll kill Planchet by the end of this. Okay. As long as you promise, yeah, sure, fuck it. Um, and it can't be noble, a noble death. It's got to be horrible. <laughs> oh, I have an idea. I have. An, I mean, gee, if only if we need somebody who does have to end up in the Bastille with an iron mask, just for some uh, parallels. Gee, I wonder who we could cast for that role. Man, no. I mean, we could also just not have Planchet be this. He could have also died in the, the airship battle. Yeah, maybe because. He's not in Man in the Iron Mask. They don't at least say I don't think there's a character no, in I that. Mean, that is There are many Planchet. servants. One of them could be him, but I'm not gonna fight you about that. Like that's so let's just say mm-hmm. he died in the fight. And they're just like there's a robot wedding, they've paid somebody to to do it. Maybe sure. it's Athos's wife. Yeah. His pregnant it wife. Plan- it could be Planchet. I think that's fun. I think it's a fun reveal. Mm-hmm. Like or at least a callback. Um despite my hatred for James Corden. Um, it just gets. It Por- just has to be played by someone else. Porthos is pulled into the boat, and Planchet says something, and Porthos is like, four hundred people died in the airship battle, and somehow you survived." Because <laughs> they just like shit on him all the time. So let's let's figure out like. So I mean, do they they just basically do a heist where it looks like they're doing one thing, but really they're stealing the documents. That's I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. I mean, we can go through all the steps of a heist, but again, that doesn't seem like good audio mm-hmm. um where let's let's do this where are the papers hidden that they're going to use to like as the damning evidence um are they like in a secret vault are they like in a desk that they have to get to in like an office or something like that what's the hmm. what if he keeps them on him all the time okay that's or good. something like that so then they well they have to try to get milady in on the fight like the plan because she's the only one who can get that close to him yeah, I think so. Or do we want to yeah. fully go berserk with uh, Mission Impossible and we start doing latex masks? <laughs> that could be fun. Um, oh, no, they have to get Louis to do it. That would be fun. They basically have to enlist the foppish king to lift the papers off of Buckingham. So we'll have scenes of D'Artagnan or Athos like in secret teaching him how to like do the lift. Okay. Yeah, that's a good reveal. I think... Because oh, so yes. I think Milady Milady is back. She's the red hair. Milady is back. He's like, well, watching yeah, out she... for her stealing the papers. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they trained Louie to do it the whole time. That's so good. Yeah, I love it. 
I love that. Oh my god. Um, it's like oh, because and I think like the whole movie, you feel sort of bad for the king a little bit, or like that's kind of like because he's basically being trampled on because he is like so incapable. Um, we haven't mentioned the cardinal at all, and I don't know like where that character fits in. Um, maybe he is just as um powerless. Um, or maybe he helps. Maybe he's part of helping this whole thing. Maybe he's like the. Maybe he's on Buckingham's side or something like that. I mean, I he he's just he went back to the Vatican or something. Buckingham got it so that Richelieu was out of the way because he knew Richelieu was going to be doing his own scheming against him, and he would like mm-hmm. actually maybe be able to succeed, or he yeah. would help Louis or whatever. So he just made it so Richelieu had to go. We could like allude to like Buckingham secretly had him die in an accident sure, or something like that. that. Um, but I do think it's a scene where at some point, um, Buckingham like is talking to Louis and he just like grabs him by the jacket, like grabs Louis by the jacket. It's like shaking him like you little worm. He's like yelling at him and belittling him. And that's when Louis does it. So we can have the flashback later of like, that's when Louis got the papers from him. But it was like, like a week ago. It was, they had already won before they ever came at him. Like that. I, I mean, you know what I mean though? Like the idea of, oh yeah. yeah, before we launched the heist you thought we were doing, we already had what we wanted. I like this like funny idea and you talking about like um, Buckingham grabbing Louis mm-hmm. and everything. What if like I like this altercation happening, but what if Louis apologizes and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then like Buckingham, it's fine. It's fine. It, it, it's fine. Whatever. Like, just know you're under my boot. And then uh, Louis is like, I'm sorry. And then like, he's like, can I have a hug? <laughs> and like, can- <laughs> Or maybe he, maybe Louis gets super upset, and Buckingham feels sort of bad. Yeah. For him. you know, like you know. No, that is, I okay, like buddy. that because I, I can see a, the kind of abusive, manipulative character like Buckingham be like, "Oh no, it's all right. Come on, give us a hug." And Louis does that thing where he 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 goes into the hug, but he puts his hands like up against his chest, like he doesn't actually do the hug. You'll see sometimes with like yeah. sad people where they're just kind of like arms crossed, holding themselves, and they go in for the hug. And that's when he like we we see it later where he just like discreetly reaches into a pocket with two fingers. I wish the audience could see that what like I'm doing it, just like reaches yeah. in and pulls out the papers and puts them down his. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Meanwhile, so that they they he had that. He he had the papers on him the whole time. What's the red herring part um, or a part of the plot as far as I think Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve style, mm-hmm. they have a distraction plot, like a distraction heist. Um, and then oh, um, the actual heist. So do you think they're actually trying to extract Louis so they can get the papers? But Louis on like lockdown in Versailles by Buckingham. Yeah, right, that's okay. what they're actually trying they, to do. They want they need to extract Louis because he has the information. The red herring mm-hmm. is they make it look like they're here to take the papers from Buckingham. They're direct they're make, casting his gaze to his office and his person and away from Louis and his rooms and his whatever he's at. Like they're drawing mm-hmm. the eye away from their actual target by presenting it as like, oh, we're gonna break into his office to steal these papers. And then at the end he's like, Haha, you fools, you utter imbeciles. I keep them on me at all times. And they're like, oh, do you? He goes, yeah, they're right. He's like patting himself down. And then, mm-hmm. uh, well, I, and then maybe, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't think they have Louis there then. Or maybe he's like, Louis? Like he figures it out that Louis did it. And he starts screaming, and goes, oh no, he's not here. Like, yeah, yeah. Planchet yeah. extracted him we, three hours ago. 
while you were yeah. whatever, while you were setting up your turrets or you were getting ready to fight us, you're setting up all these countermeasures. Planchet extracted Louis three hours ago. He's on his way yeah. to like a secret location with and our current our Jesuit friends are getting the or meanwhile or have the, are already on their way to England with those papers. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so they beat him basically. Yeah. Do we think they kill him or like he attacks? Like, yeah, I think we need or... a sword fight or we need some kind of fight mm-hmm. here. And I don't know, D'Artagnan kills him because he's like the best swordsman out of all of them. That'd be good. I like I like that idea. I think maybe he in desperation he needs to like oh I need to leave right now. I need to get out of the country like before um, anything. But they know that he's there to kill him. So maybe he takes. I think Milady's there, and he, she's been on his side the entire time. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he takes her and like holds a sword to her throat, and is like, "I'm leaving, or I'm gonna kill her." And Athos is like, "No, don't!" <laughs> like you know, like basically using her as collateral or something mm-hmm. to, um, or as a guarantee that they're not gonna kill him, kill kill him. And then uh, Porthos just shoots through her body into <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now, I, I mean, does that. she make a sacrifice play then, or do we let her? Does she live to? I don't know, not be in this movie anymore. But, like, does she still survive? Like, what do we... Yeah, I think it would be cool if she did, like, die hard. Uh, live free or die, or die hard. hard. Yeah. Uh, shoot, shoots herself through the chest. <laughs> that may be cool if if she does that. Like, after he after he betrays her, she's like, let's, you're going to threaten to kill me. Like, and he, mm-hmm. he, he, he now holds no power that she thought right. he had. So he's useless to her, right? We can do the idea that Athos has like his sword on him and he just like swings Milady around in front of him. And it's like, oh, do you have it in you? Do you, could you kill her? And she's like, no, he doesn't have it in him, but I do. And she reaches out, grabs his arm and stabs through herself into Buckingham. Like she grabs That's Athos's good. hand and like right through. Mm-hmm. Or, or no, she I reaches like out and like tenderly touches his hand and she kind of nods, and then he kind of nods, like maybe like a tear, and then he lets go of the sword, so she's now holding it, and because it feels cruel to make him stab her, like you know what I mean? She's yeah. stabbing herself, but I think and like to save him from that, like in the core yeah. when um, Aaron Eckert's character was like, "No, Bex, you've already had to make the tough call to kill one person. Like I'll do this one. Like I'll yeah. consider, like it's a similar thing. She's like I'll save your conscience." Um, but it does. It's like it looks like they're touching hands tenderly, and then he slips his hand out from under her. So she's now holding the sword, and she puts it through herself. I like that. That's that's good. Yeah, I think that's kind of the end of the movie, right? So, do we want to end it with the birth of the twins? Is my question, or is just and like being I'm pregnant enough? I think D'Artagnan and the king are like having like a a talk before. Maybe Louis is like, you know, despite all that horribleness, like these past few years something good has come out of it um we've just received word that anne is pregnant and then d'artagnan's eyes like go to anne and you see her like locking eyes with him and he and he they do like the nod she points out her stomach and then at d'artagnan no um yeah 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 um my thought is he he's talking to anne and maybe it's a similar thing where she says, you know, out of out of all this, blah, 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 we've just discovered I'm pregnant. And D'Artagnan goes, oh, I'm sure their father is very happy. And she goes, I'm sure he, like, or something like, I don't know, is he? And she looks like, just like gives him this, not dead stare, but meaningful stare. Mm-hmm. I I like that. I, I, I like either one. So, But I, I think uh, I think the Anne one mm-hmm. uh, makes a little more sense. I, I want to see, just as like, kind of like a sadness mm-hmm. or like, just like, oh, like, 
kind of seeing the betrayal of friends, we do see Louie at one point being very happy about the oh, pregnancy like, and oh, stuff. My like, the mother of my children and my best friend here together in my happiest day. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, ooh. Yeah, I think that's good. And then Athos goes back to his farm. Pathos continues to fuck a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, D'Artagnan becomes the captain of the guard, or if he wasn't already. So. He wasn't yet. Uh, yeah, and so like... They kind of, I think they go back to being mus- generally musketeers because they said in the in Iron Mask that they were they served Louis as or they served Leonardo DiCaprio Louis as musketeers mm-hmm. for a time. So I think maybe they're yeah. just like reinstated, and I mean they can yeah. still go about their business. Like Athos is still married in the country, whatever, and Porthos still has many affairs with very rich women, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but like, I think like maybe what. Um athos says to louis or like they encourage louis just to be a stronger king mm-hmm. that is like a little more in control because mm-hmm. like he was taken so easily right oh, yeah. you know so i think that's maybe like athos's final word to louis or final word about like the state of france is that this needs a more powerful king we have a scene near the end where d'artagnan walks into the opera where louis is and louis tells him the story of darth d'artagnan the wise <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, and in the mm-hmm. and in the uh, in the background, you see the the theater that they're watching is like a um, just two people having sex, or like the like the the idea it's of a sperm show. going well. in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The idea of sperm going into like an egg, basically. God, did we do it? Are there any loose ends to tie up? Or I think it was pretty solid. Yeah. Actually, no, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I do want to talk about Capstein, and then we need a title because but yes, and we need to title it. So, I am determined that every single person in this movie is recast again. Okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Here are my two suggestions, and then maybe maybe we can just do the Musketeers. And here are my two for Porthos and D'Artagnan. Yep. I was really hoping you were going to fuck up D'Artagnan that time. D'Artagnan, yeah. Tom Hiddleston. Okay, I can dig it. He's actually, he's a very good middle ground between 2011 mm-hmm. and the guy who's... Man, that was very good. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. And get this one for Porthos, David Harbour. Okay. Okay. He's big. He's brawny. I think if you, you he already can do that mustache. He's shorter uh, than like a, he's shorter than 2011, so we're at least scaling down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're scaling down. It's a little middle. Um, I think he could do big brawler, motherfucker. Okay. He's really a little good. paunchier also, so we're kind of getting into. Mm-hmm. He has, he's going to have to have slightly longer hair. He's he's dad bod. He's dad bod. Uh, Porthos. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Aramis and Aramis and Athos yeah. left. Yep. So what you do those two since I did the other. Oh. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, I like that you came in prepared with very good decisions, and now you're just uh, gonna make me no scope yep. this one. So we got to get from yep. Luke Evans to Jeremy Irons. Um. Oh. Um. Um. Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Okay, I like that. And Athos, Jesus. Uh, um, I have to remind my pers- myself. Uh, I have a, I have an idea for this. If you don't, yeah, have go it. ahead. Vigo Mortensen. Okay, yeah, I'm good with that. There's the the middle ground between that. I mean, I say that guy because I recognize the guy from England. I don't remember his name. He's one of those that. Oh, that guy, and then John Malkovich. <laughs> Yeah, I'm down with that. I think that's good. Yeah, probably the most the most wild gradient <laughs> between out of all of them. 
And I think that's the only same characters, right? Like, I don't think there's anyone else. So. Yeah, I mean, Buckingham, I but I mean... I mean, I think that's Orlando Bloom. He looks so good in all those... Yeah, it's also been long those... enough that he could play a slightly older version of himself and be fine. Um, yeah. And then Louis. Are we keeping Louis and Anne as generally the same? Or we can cast no names at that point that look just yeah. like older versions. Yeah. Right. Um, Anne could be someone different um, in... Here's, in 2011, it's Juno Temple. Um, here's what's wild. Yeah. We got Mila Jovovich back, but to play Anne. Okay. Uh. And Juno Temple is playing my lady. <laughs> Switch them up. Okay. Uh, what <laughs> What do we call this? I mean, the Puppet King is? is a phrase you kept using. That's puppet not King. bad. The Three Musketeers colon the Puppet King. The Puppet of France. Ooh, the puppet of France isn't bad. It kind of, I think, fits hmm. into the man in the iron mask, like naming, right? Like right. the puppet of France is. Sure, I think because I like I like puppet king. I'm trying to say, is the puppet king of France too much? Like too long of a sentence. The three musketeers and the puppet king of France. Yeah, that is a bit. Or, long. or do you think it's just the puppet? No, king I, of I France? think for this we would need to include three musketeers because. For branding purposes, especially with like the episode of people go looking for a sequel to the Three Musketeers or a prequel to the Man in the Iron Mask, they're probably not just going to check out the Puppet King of France on the possibility that it is. Sure. So I think yeah. we Three Musketeers. Let's do the Puppet. Uh, yeah, the Puppet of France is pretty good. Three Musketeers and the Puppet of France. Yeah. Or Three Musketeers colon the Puppet of France. Right, that's, yeah. Okay. Well, if we did it, that's credits on another episode of the Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers. You can get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Our Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com, and our Instagram is the underscore equalizers. As always, we spell that E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel. Greater good. Sequel. Uh, as always, we would appreciate it if you gave us a subscribe and a review. Um, any stars really helps just get the word out there. Again, if you just tell like one or two friends, that also helps us a lot right now. Uh, especially if that friend is, I don't know, famous. If you have any famous friends, tell them about our podcast. I want Gerard Depardieu to listen to this episode. If he is I still kind, alive, I don't know. I kind of do, but I feel very bad about Talk, us talking about how much we don't want to fuck him uh although he probably won't be that offended yeah probably not special thanks to the banana boys for our theme song two-step strutting off their debut album technicolor girl from outer space you can find them on facebook twitter and on instagram by searching banana boys and as always they spell that b-o-y-e-s like in oh yes the full album is available on all services now Madison Jones, we got to tell the people what we're doing next time. But before we do, yeah. I'm going to give you one week to go and hide before I start looking for you as we cover Ready or Not. I know so many good hiding places. You're never going to fucking find me, Mike. Oh, I'm going to find you to be continued. Who wants to play a game? It's time for hide and seek. Run, run, run. Time to run and hide. Run, run, run. And now I'm going to find you scurry.